what your inner critic is saying, it wants to keep you stuck. It wants to keep you still because still is safe. Anytime you're taking a risk, your lower brain wants to stop you from that because it might kill you. Like if you show up on live on Facebook, you're definitely going to die. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey, 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 welcome back to the show, Unicorns Unite. I am so thrilled to have you here, especially if you're a newbie. Welcome to our world where we support each other in the freelance world, building our businesses and referring each other. This podcast is all about helping you learn from others and get better at your own business. And sometimes that comes with some mindset challenges. And we talk a lot about this inside my work group and with the students inside my Digital Media VA crash course. And so many get stuck when it comes to imposter syndrome. Owning a business is not easy. Transitioning from working as an employee to being an entrepreneur has many, many challenges, but entrepreneurship definitely has its perks. It could totally mess with your mindset, but there's a reason you're here building your own business. You can still be questioning, am I good enough to do this? Am I smart enough to do this? How did I get myself into this mess? How did I fool these clients? Like, why are they trusting me? And for some of you, it keeps you from applying from jobs. So I'm going to call some of you out. I see you constantly taking the next course, the next training, and still not feeling ready to do this freelance thing. So I've brought a business coach here today to help you clean up this head trash. Jen Grasso is a former lawyer and a business coach from Climb Coaching, and she helps business owners build their confidence. And she's going to help you step in the new role of business owner. You're not just an assistant here. You're an entrepreneur. And I can't wait to help you break free. Jen has some amazing action tips. We recorded this Facebook Live a little bit earlier, and it is so, so, so good. You're going to learn so much, especially prepping for those discovery calls and really pushing that imposter syndrome away. So without further ado, let's dive into the interview. Hey, everyone. We're in for a special treat today. I have Jen Grosso, a confidence mindset coach here to help us work through imposter syndrome. Jen, I'm so excited to have you. Say hello and introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be a part of this podcast today and get interviewed. And I am, like you said, I'm a confidence and mindset coach. I work with entrepreneurs, executives, high achievers, and I go A lot of the work that I do is to help get them into action by attacking those little confidence gremlins and those things that keep us stuck and keep us away from doing the amazing work that we want to do in the world. So yeah, we're going to get into some really good teaching because you are really going to be able to help our community of freelancers who are having to put themselves out every day, do things they've never done, do things kind of like fake it till they make it a little bit. We're going to talk about that. But will you first tell us, first of all, where do you live? What's your family like? And what's your background in? Ah, yes. So I am, I live in New Jersey. I live, if you're familiar with New Jersey in the United States, I live near Rutgers University. So kind of like in the middle of the state, about 45 minutes away from New York City. I have lived in this area um, almost my entire life. I love it there. I have a family. I have two young teenagers who are on Zoom school and they need to be quiet for the remainder of this interview. Hopefully they will be. Um, I have dogs. We, you know, we have a little bit of uh, chaos in our house every day now that everyone's home. Um, I will say that I started working for myself in about 2010. And before that, I was an attorney. And um, I like to call myself Mm -hmm. a recovering attorney now. So I I decided that being an attorney really wasn't right for me. And I made that transition to working for myself. And I also owned a couple of other businesses along the way. And so I've, I've always been working with, you know, an iron in a few different fires and, uh, it's been an incredible journey and a lot of fun for me. And I will say though, I loved working from home a lot more when my house wasn't full. <laughs> me too. 
I had a blissful little period where my youngest went in daycare and everyone was in school and I didn't have to do a lot of driving. And it was a good, you know, six months. <laughs> we moved here to Washington, D.C. and it's all over. And it, like I have kindergarten set up right here. She left the room, but she's probably going to come back in and do some like spiral art or something. But I can relate to that so much. And I absolutely love how you are multi-passionate and you talked about how you did one thing, you went to school for one thing, but you always are kind of doing your entrepreneurial thing. And now you found in, how did you fall into this kind of work, working with entrepreneurs as a business coach? Yeah. So what happened was, is I knew that the law wasn't right for me and that I wanted to do something different. And I started working with a coach myself and doing that work. That was a career coach. And that coach really pointed out to me that I had already been coaching. I didn't really fully understand how much of a profession it was and what you could do. And I thought she was going to help me, you know, create an alternative law career resume. And we really got into some deeper, more significant work. And when I was at my law firm, I created and helped create one of their mentor programs. And I, and then I started to explore, wow, this is really great. And this actually fits who I am and the skills that I have. And I can really deliver incredible value while creating a lifestyle that I wanted to. I wanted to be home with my kids, but I also didn't want to completely give up working. Yeah, It allowed me to dial it up or dial it back as I needed to, to deal with the seasons of my life. And that was amazing. That is so good because I think everyone here wants that for themselves and that that freedom to decide when to dial it up and when to rein it back. So that's so good. So what kind of clients do you work with now? The clients that I work with primarily are entrepreneurs and high-level executives. Okay. So they're a lot of fun. I, Because of my background, I tend to resonate with the types of problems that they have. I've worked with so many people in those two areas that I have. I know a lot of the different stories and the pitfalls and the things that are tripping them up. And we work together, you know, rather in depth to get themselves into, into fast action, get over some blocks that they have, and then execute on real and significant strategies that'll move them forward towards whatever it is that they want. And sometimes Sometimes that's they want more money in terms of growth and their business growth. Sometimes it's about buying back some of their life and their personal health. They've been already, they're making the money, but they're so bombarded with the overwork that they need to get out of that mindset because that tends to be a mindset that holds us into overwork. And sometimes it's actually both. Can I grow my business, make more money and give myself more of this freedom lifestyle that I had hoped for when I was, you know, either chasing that, you know, chasing a higher level as an executive or as an entrepreneur. Oh, and that's like the paradox, right? And that's why they all come to us and they want to hire us freelancers to help them that time and kind of pull out of their business a little bit. It's a critical aspect of your ability to function as an entrepreneur in particular. If you are someone who is prone to wearing all of the hats, you will burn out and you won't be effective. And creating a team is an undeniable critical factor to your success. You need, when you're a high achiever, you are so bombarded by the noise and the, you might be a doer, so you're able to take on so many things, but just because you can take on so many things doesn't mean you should. Right. And the scary part for a lot of people is what do I do when I don't want to hire full on employees? And so hiring those freelancers and recognizing that they are a part of your team, your team could include full-time employees, part-time employees, and the freelancers who are there to give you support. It's about identifying what's the best support for you so that you can free up your energy for the more important business tasks that you have to move forward. Oh, so good. That coordinates so well with what I teach and what people here are doing. So I love it. So I'm really curious about what these high performers, high achievers, like what they struggle with. And I know you're here to talk about imposter syndrome. And I guess sometimes we think everything's all rosy and like the grass is greener. But for some reason, it still kind of surprises me that people face this at all levels. What do they say? New level, new devil, right? Even the the high entrepreneurs who look like they're doing well struggle with this. So tell me more about it. 
Absolutely. So, I mean, first, I think it makes a little bit of sense to just give you an idea of what imposter syndrome is. I know a lot of people are talking about it more and more these days, so you may have heard about it. One of the things that's important to know is that it does affect high achievers and people who want more out of life and entrepreneurs more so than um, someone who is okay with where they're at in life. If they just want you know, they're okay with checking you know, and, and punching a nine to five clock and that's good and that gives them happiness, they tend to suffer from imposter syndrome a little bit less. It's those that are taking the bigger risks that feel the imposter syndrome more. And what it's been described of as is this feeling that you have been promoted or put yourself in a situation that's beyond your real capacity and your competence. You feel like you are a fraud and people are going to figure that out soon. That somehow your skills and what you have to bring to the table is, is not enough for what it is that you're trying to do. So to touch on your point a little bit, the highest levels, I love that Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, said that no CEO arrives in that office feeling like they're qualified for the job. And they may not tell you that, but they all feel unqualified to be CEO. I love that for two reasons. One, it's incredibly candid from a person who is, you know, undeniably, you know, one of the best and most incredible CEOs, you know, that we have in our time, um, but also that he's a man. I think people have this myth that confidence issues or imposter syndrome is only a female thing. And I can say that's absolutely not true. You can see athletes, actors, Tom Hanks, one of the best actors of all times, admits to having imposter syndrome. I believe what he says is, one day they will figure out I'm a fraud and they'll take it all from me. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. Maya Angelou, how many New York Times bestselling books does she have? And she said her quote is, they're going to find out I've run a game on them. I've seen that. And it's amazing. These people who have done so well and contributed and made such an impact to our society are second guessing themselves. Absolutely. So what's great about that, and I can also say I have yet to work with a C-suite executive or an entrepreneur, and we're talking entrepreneurs that are bringing in, you know, easily multiple six figures, multiple seven figures, and they feel this way. They don't usually tell me in the first meeting, but they confess it as they're moving on. These people who have resumes and they have tons and tons of evidence that backs up how extraordinary they are and how competent they are. And yet they have these internal gremlins that put them at risk for inaction. And, and to be honest, there are two things you should know. Imposter syndrome is coming. It's something that's going to come up. So you should expect it. And if you can treat it like that, that it's not this big deal. It's not this, you know, it sounds like such a big deal, like imposter syndrome. I need to go and and find you know, that pill that's going to cure me of it. You won't be cured of it. It's about identifying the tools so that imposter syndrome doesn't hold you back and keep you from reaching your full potential as an entrepreneur, as an executive, or keep you like completely paralyzed. Because for some people, so not the Tom Hanks, not the Maya Angelou's, not the you know Howard Schultz's of the world, they have found a way and they've employed their own tools and systems so that they can continue to work and continue to grow, even though they experience these negative thoughts, these, right. you know, these, you know, feelings of, you know, inadequacy. Oh my gosh. Okay. What I want everybody to hear from right now, if these high level people are feeling it, I can tell you 100% the clients who are hiring you and those business owners who are hiring you are going through it too. And you sometimes feel like, um, you kind of, I don't know that you're kind of unequal in some of these situations, but you're running into the same problem with your own clients. They're working through this and you can sometimes a be the sidekick and the buddy that helps them and encourages them. That happens to me all the time, but I want you to use that to your advantage because I know you're going to work through it too. Like Jennifer just said, it's coming. Imposter syndrome is coming. So are you, will you be teaching us the tools today or 
what are, what are you going to teach us? Absolutely. I, I want to teach you first step really to dealing with it is awareness and to catch yourself. And there are some things where you don't even realize you're not like, oh, this is an imposter syndrome moment. Sometimes imposter syndrome shows up for us in the types of inaction where we're holding ourselves back. Think about someone, I, I assume a lot of your freelancers probably need to be including content marketing and putting out posts on social media. And if you are having a difficult time really speaking your truth, really putting yourself out there, maybe showing up on video, which converts better than writing, you need to recognize, ooh, this is a little bit of imposter syndrome. It's not simply that I don't like my face on video. It might be that you are worried that what you have to say is not going to be received very well. Oh, yes. I see this all the time with my own clients. Absolutely. So that's one of the ways that imposter syndrome shows up. Another way, and it's and I'm going to say guilty, this this one, this is me, okay? It shows up as overwork and over-credentialing. It's chasing after, I don't have enough yet. I need another certification. I need another degree. I need to do more. I need to prove it. I need to, you know, and I was, like I said, I was a lawyer. So I love, I love stacks of evidence. Pile <laughs> evidence on top of evidence on top of evidence that I can show you that I'm worthy of, you know, of doing this work with you. It also shows up in not charging enough. Before we get into that, I see so many freelancers taking course after course, joining every membership and never feeling like they know enough to get bid. And I try to tell them like, look, listen, you are 10% ahead of your clients most of the time. Like that is good enough to move forward and take action. But that being caught up in the serial learning and the serial certifications uh, is like a real problem. If this is you, will you say something in the comments and will you stop taking the courses and move forward <laughs> with the thing that you just learned most recently. <laughs> so funny. So as I said, I'm a mindset coach. And what I want you to know is that the reason that you feel stuck is because stuck is safe. The feeling of being stuck keeps you safe. That's, if you get to understand about how your brain works, that's your amygdala, your lower brain, your lizard brain, or your inner critic. And your inner critic is a jerk. Your inner critic needs to go away and it needs to knock it off. So when you find yourself in a place where you're like, wow, I really feel stuck, that's when you have to engage your inner wizard. And I got that phrase from Martha Beck. She wrote a great book on finding your own North Star. Love her. And she talks about like, how do you deal with these automatic negative thoughts? These thoughts about not being good enough, not credentialed uh, enough, yeah. having enough, whatever that is for you in a particular moment. And how you need to recognize that what your inner critic is saying, it wants to keep you stuck. It wants to keep you still because still is safe. And if you're putting yourself out there and risking, if you're putting your videos out, you're putting your content out, if you are you know, putting yourself in front of these new clients that feel like a reach for you, anytime you're taking a risk, your lower brain wants to stop you from that because it might kill you. Like if you show up on live on Facebook, you're definitely going to die. <laughs> you know, like it, it's, it's, so what's useful about that is knowing that's how your brain is wired. You're just a human being. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so all you need to do is I call it cross and examining my inner critic. You know, Martha Beck says, engage your inner, your inner wizard. And what you do is you ask, is that really true? Okay. Is it really true that I shouldn't be talking about this? You already know it is. If you've already taken the step to be in your own business and to be putting yourself out there as a freelancer, you already know that you have skills that are valuable to someone. Yes. So you need to challenge these thoughts that you have as soon as they come up. There's another um, idea is that when these thoughts, these thoughts where you're ruminating and you are stuck in this place where you keep thinking the negative thoughts, what you really have going on is you're getting like caught up in a trap of almost like anxiety or uh, you're getting caught in these like worthless feelings or these feelings, again, of not being enough. And what you can do quickly is to work on changing your state. OK, and this is like how you feel. So if you're feeling stuck, you're not taking action because action is the fastest way out of imposter syndrome is to okay. take a small step. If you feel like I can't even do that, 
I can't take the small step. That means that your state is so agitated in the moment that it really just wants to keep you in a little box, right? And so we get into this. You can change your state in as little as two minutes with no money. Okay. You don't have to pay anybody. Sign me up. (laughs) Two minutes. And this is backed by science and it's a hormonal response. Okay. And so this is a fun one. And you will hear about speakers who have to get on stage and they have to do scary things. What they will do is they will open their body language. So I was sitting like this on purpose. This is what we do. We're in protective mode. You need to get out of protective mode to get unstuck. Okay. For two minutes, you can put yourself in this position and it is like a, a chest. Your chest is up, preferably standing. It's like the superhero pose. I love what it. hear about this a lot is that these power poses that we can engage in. Sometimes it's if you're sitting in a seat, you'll see people like, you know, sitting back like this. It's any pose that has you in a more open position will start to change the way your brain is thinking. And it will also change your hormonal response. If you don't believe me and you're like, Jen, it's not that simple. That's crazy. Go watch. There's a TED talk. I'll send you the link so you you can give it to your group. It's Amy Cuddy. She's a Harvard professor. She sends this message out, says everyone share it because it's that useful. And it's about getting yourself into this physical state where you can get ready to take that next action. And it's really about being open and expansive. If I can, I'll give you one more. This one's a little bit ridiculous. So I don't know, um, you know, but we're, a lot of us are in our houses, so no one's going to see you do this. If you're getting, (laughs) you're getting on a sales call or right before you have to get on a live, you can put yourself in this position. Whoops. I'm trying to do it like where my camera is and it's the V like the V for victory. And I want you to, th- so you would have to hold this for two minutes for it to work. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Change your hormones. Yeah. But what this is, is a really good feeling position that you can go into. And it, think about it. It's the winning position. Oh my I'm a winner. Every time I finish my little four mile jog I do on Sundays, I go like this, no matter who's watching me. I hit that little post. I'm like, that's amazing. And you are someone who gets into fast action a lot. I wonder if you keep, you are, don't even realize violating your state. You're well, getting yourself into a more confident state. Think about everyone running through a, you know, they, they just won a race and they're running through the ribbon. They throw their hands up. The gymnast sticks the landing. They throw their hands up. The, you know, the Yankees win the world series. They run in towards each other with their hands up. I just thought of us like all starting a discovery call. Like, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, you know what? It's science. It is. It's scientifically backed. And that you, how we sit and think about it. One of the worst things you can do is to be like taking notes, hunched over. It actually, and even if you sit there, as I'm talking to you, I can feel different when I'm in a different position. This is taught by leadership experts. It's taught to high level executives, how they should stand in meetings. Why do people pay thousands of dollars to have their body language evaluated? They do because it matters and it works. Community so much, yeah. Yes, and this is, so when we say fake it till you make it, what does that mean? Sometimes it means exactly this. It means standing with your hands on your hips. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. It's like. It means smiling. Okay. Smiling, even when it's a fake smile, okay? So even if you can't smile and you're miserable, if you put a pen in your teeth, I guess. <laughs> which is mimic smiling brain scans show that it changes the way your brain is reacting like that very quickly. Wow. So smiling is something that can also get you into a very, very fast state. So these are, these are quick little tools that you can do like right before, like I said, right before a call, right before a live, but what do you do? And, and we also have the tools where your negative thoughts coming in and you're going to respond to that. You're going to do a little argument with it. It's not true. Those thoughts aren't true. I have a third tool that I really think is really important. And I'm very big on systems and making sure that you are doing things on a regular, continuous basis. And so what I think is a great thing to do is to keep either a brag book or a brag file. I love it. This is important for business owners in general. You should be keeping track of any testimonial, any praise that you get because you use that in your marketing materials. It's what you use to help you sell and, and show the evidence of what you can do. But it's also good for you and it's good for reducing the amount of imposter syndrome that you feel. 
and it's good for boosting your confidence. I believe that you should have one of these items, you know, like a, a brag book, a brag file online, whatever it is. And you should look at it in regular intervals, not just when you feel bad, not just when you're having a rough time. Okay. And you should do that a minimum of once a quarter, preferably if you're someone who's newer in business or having a tough time really putting yourself out there, then I recommend that you do it at least once a month. And you just sit back, you sit back with a cup of coffee and you look and you remind yourself that there is evidence out there that people think that I'm great. Now for freelancers, where this can get tricky, especially as if they're new, they might not have direct evidence on their new venture in the freelancing right. that they're doing. It's okay to look at, the, it's okay to go back to a time when you were situationally confident. So you might not feel confident in the thing that you're putting yourself out there. There's stuff, there's stuff in your background that you feel really good about, that you can own it, that you have that, I am so confident energy. Put that in your brag book to start. Things that you've done phenomenally well, that people love, that people think that you um, did that's fantastic. Put that in your brag book. Even if it's just you remembering what someone told you, write those notes down. It matters. And again, everything that I do and that I teach when it comes to mindset, I am such a nerd. I've gone back and I'm and like, is this bad? Like, I'm not going to teach it unless it's back. If there aren't studies that show that this works for, for the people who are the high performers, the people who are doing really well and the most successful, yeah. I won't teach it. It's not backed by science. It's not shown to be useful. I don't teach it. Every single one of these very simple things can change you and your business going forward. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I'm reading a growth mindset book right now. Um, this one, I'm sure you've read it. Yes. Very so good. I think... I don't know if it's in this one or not, but something I read recently was talking about like we filter out all the positive stuff and our brains focus on the negative. And it was yes. like eye-opening how much our brain locks onto that and repeats it and just dumps all the positive stuff. So that brag book you're talking about, the I love me folder, the I love me wall, maybe the Slack channel, you know, all of that can help remind yourself of the good stuff because it's so easy to like, just absolutely forget it. And you're not even doing it on purpose. You're not. So what's fascinating is, um, you know, so there's this whole area of mindset where it talks about neuroplasticity and, and the growth mindset, right? Mm -hmm. And what they've looked at in terms of the studies show that 77% of your thoughts are negative because you're a human being. So sad, <laughs> right? It's kind of like, wow, the deck is totally stacked against me, right? And that's so, negative. <laughs> yeah, what is that? So, this doesn't mean that you have to have positive thoughts all the time. It's the acknowledgement that you won't have positive thoughts all the time. What tools am I going to use to address these negative thoughts when they pop up? Yeah. Because I'm a human being. I'm not going to judge myself. You know, the people who are like positive vibes only. All right. I get the point. I know why people say that positive vibes are lovely. They're just not likely to happen 77% of the time, <laughs> you yeah. know, because you're a human being, you know, you're not this mystical creature who can be positive all the time. Okay. Your brain is wired <laughs> to do that. So don't judge yourself for having a negative thought. Like, oh, like. When the negative thought pops up, go, oh, look at that. I had a negative thought. Yeah. Okay. And don't feed it. Don't feed it. Don't, yes, don't feed it. Respond to it. That doesn't have to be true. So I so if you like, let's think of a, a negative thought. This is also in the growth mindset versus fixed mindset. We weren't getting into that too much, but a fixed yeah. mindset is basically like all of your ability, talent. And, um, you know, everything that you're capable of was decided long ago, like maybe even when you were seven, you know, some will say like, by the time you're in your twenties, the really generous ones will say, yeah, 35, like, oh, you, Jen, you're 47. You're done. You're done. This goes, and, and I've heard this since I was very young. People don't change. People don't change. That's not true. Yeah. It's simply not true. Our brains are plastic and they are capable of creating new neural pathways, but only if you're intentional about it. Okay. And so that's that self-awareness, like, oh, I feel stuck or, oh, I have this negative thought that I can't do this or people are going to think I'm a fraud. What do I do? How do I respond to that so that I can start 
creating this new neural pathway. And I'm going to create that new neural pathway in a couple of ways. I'm going to do it with the Bragg book by looking at the evidence out there that shows it's not true. I'm going to do that by giving myself a responding positive thought. I'm also going to put my body into a state where it can accept those statements and help me create that new neural pathway. So I will also say that with creating a new mindset, repetition is key. That's okay. why you need to you need to do this on a regular basis with the brag book. That's why you need to do it. I recommend, like I said, like once a month, minimum a quarter. You okay. should be looking at it. And that's because you really need to be responding and creating these new thoughts, patterns. All of those negative thoughts are just there. They're like habits. You've thought them so many times, they just pop up. Yeah. So replace them, create the new habit. And how you create a new habit is by continuously responding with that new, improved, you know, thought or behavior that you want versus what's holding you back. Hey, this podcast is sponsored by my very own GIF and sticker making workshop. Turn your clients' videos into GIFs, design branded stickers for Instagram stories, and master the art of making your own GIF for promo emails. This is fun unicorn magic that we can do behind the scenes easily for our clients. The workshop is one hour, just $17.99. The link is in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash GIF workshop. That's G-I-F workshop. Back to the show. Why are some people so good? Are, are they just like frauding us at seeming like nothing affects them? Are they so confident and so cocky and so self-assured? I mean, are they still struggling with this? Are there really people like that? Well, so there's, there's a bunch of different kinds of confidence, right? So we have like pure, unadulterated, unshakable confidence. Okay. Okay. And that feels good. Like that feels good even to see, like you can see someone who's like, they're owning it. You're like, wow, that's, I want to be that they embody confidence. Right. And then there are some that have false confidence, right? These people yes. you. They're the people who like they don't have any of the chops to back up what they're saying. There's a lot of argument whether or not those people believe they are that confident or not. Who cares? It's not you, right? Like, pff, yeah, okay. And then you have situational confidence, right? Because yeah. no one is fully authentically confident at everything. No. Because how could they be? No, it's impossible, you know? So if you recognize in yourself, I think I was saying this before, you are situationally confident. There are things that you feel amazingly confident about. Now, maybe, you know, for instance, I, as a, as a young kid was a swimmer. I'm very confident in my ability to swim right now. I know that I can, I was a swimmer. I don't even have to think about it. It's something that's easy for me. A lot of the things that are very easy for us are things where we have unshakable confidence in them. Okay. When we are in another place where we're not quite feeling as confident as we'd like, right? And we're not at that unshakable confidence. We just know that we're just trying to bridge that gap between like yeah. that this place where we're taking the action to build the competence, to build the confidence, you know, where we're practicing confidence to get to that feeling. I like to say when we're in that place, in that bridge place, that's when we have to treat confidence like it's a verb, right? It's not a noun. It's not something we have. It's not something we're born with. It's something that we need to step into. And we're practicing our confidence and, and we're letting ourselves get incrementally better as we're learning and testing and optimizing our performance as we get better until we reach that level where the confidence goes from a verb to a noun, where it's something we have, we feel okay. like. Yeah, I can see this applying a lot to us freelancers because sometimes it's something we haven't done before and it really is a verb because you're working on it and you're practicing it and eventually you get to where you have that situational confidence. But here's the thing, even in the online marketing space, the digital business space, you can't control everything. Like you could be really good at copy. Sure. You could be really good at graphic design. You could put together the best Facebook ad and it could tank because <laughs> like so much of it is out of your control. So I think learning to realize like what parts you can control and how, like, how do you, I don't know. I have so many questions about this, but <laughs> how do you like really gain that confidence when you're brand new like that? Do you have any tips or tricks? Because a lot of, a lot of my students have gone through the course. They've learned the thing. They haven't quite done the thing. And we're, we're talking about ways to bring in like mentor programs or like internships to get there. 
But do you have any other suggestions? I would say embrace failure. Okay. People who embrace failure, okay, and, and mistakes and see them not as a negative, but as something that is a positive where it helps you learn. This isn't especially important where you feel like things are outside of your control. I mean, there's arguments that every single thing on the planet is outside of your control. Like, welcome to 2020, right? Uh, you know, but if you recognize there's there's a concept called fail first, fail often, yeah. because every single time you allow yourself to try something and test it out and then get the feedback and the information, you can apply it to get a little bit better each time. That's the growth mindset. Yeah, it's that you don't have to be perfect out of the gate. And if you can acknowledge that, that you don't have to, that actually, if you're waiting until you feel like it's perfect, you've probably waited too long and you've left a lot of money on the table. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of clients, a lot of my clients are like that too, when it comes to launching their businesses and courses and whatnot. But as a freelancer, we can't screw up and necessarily fail on the client's dime. So it's this weird little world where they want to hire somebody who's an expert, but they're not paying for it. You know, like they're, they're getting somebody newer, but we need to have that room for error. So I always suggest communicating that well, padding your deadlines, padding your project timelines, anything else you can think of? I think it's also identifying your resources when you need the help. Yes. Good. Because part of the learning is getting the support that you need. Right. So, you know, when I say failure, I don't, I don't mean do a crap job and let yourself go out there. It's like, it's in that padding of time. Right. I'm I'm sorry for that (laughs) lack of clarity there, but when it's saying like, all right, I just tried this and it didn't work. Who are my go-to people to help me through this particular piece? Yeah. What are my go-to resources? Where do I go? Is that a, um, you know, is that a forum that I'm a member of where I can go in and pop in my question so that, and it's, and that comes from trusting yourself. Confidence is the trusting yourself that if I don't know how to do it, or I can't do it right this second, I know how to figure it out to get the resources, who to contact, to get myself to the right answer so that I do competently and effectively and with excellence respond to my clients' needs. I could have paid you to say that. That's <laughs> why I say like having this community, even if it's a free Facebook group, our student community, the work group I have, that's exactly the space I'm trying to create because I don't know all the answers and being able to ask somebody else, like, how did you do things? Like I'm troubleshooting where to go. I tell a lot of my students, like join all the tech platforms where those Facebook groups are, like join the convert kit Facebook group. You'll be able to ask other people, but the the business owner can gain so much confidence when you say like, I have the resources to back me up. I have people, I know where to go. The chat desk is always helpful. <laughs> like, you know, go, I've been on the chat desk all the time with convert kit, go daddy, all of it. <laughs> yeah. All of that makes such an, so, and you know, it's funny about an hour and a half ago, I have my own mindset coach. I'm a mindset coach. I I coach people on their mindset, their confidence. I coach them on business strategies. I have a business coach. I have a mindset coach. I was on with an entire group of women because I value the community from my colleagues. And what I put out there was, Hey, listen, this is what I'm teaching. This is what I'm doing. Do I have it right? Do you have anything else for me? Do you have another way of saying it? Do you have another method of getting there? Or, and sometimes the answer is no. And isn't that amazing information? Doesn't that build your confidence? Like, all right, I've got this. And then, like you said, like if you already know from speaking to colleagues and people who are out there who are doing the work that you're doing, but they're coming back and saying, no, that's all we can do. Then when the thing that's out of your control doesn't go so well, you can confidently go back to your client and say, this is sometimes happens. Yeah. And this is why it happens. And this is what I suggest because I'm the expert. I'm the expert freelancer who can respond yeah. to you. Yeah. And they're the, you're the person figuring it out. You're the go-between. They like quite often just want to delegate it and they just want to trust that you're doing your job. You're finding the answers. So this is so good. So earlier we were talking about awareness and you were talking about the confidence in, uh, I don't know if that's the right word. You were talking about awareness and not charging enough. Can you speak to Uh that a little bit? Yes. You often see imposter syndrome show up in the failure to set your prices in accordance with their real value. Yes. 
And that is a really, really tough one. One of the things that I teach with my with my clients is um, the chaos to confidence model. It's something that I, I created in response to the competence um, confidence loop. And I've added in that we get to these new situations of like chaos or, or, or areas of opportunity for us. Place, and it, usually the chaos is internal. So what happens is, is you're like, I need to raise my prices, but how do I even go and talk to my clients about it? And then those negative thoughts pop in and keep us from doing that. You're not worth that. Then nobody's going to pay that. That's not really what the market charges. Or even if it is, even if the market, even if I'm, let's say you're, you're charging, I don't know, $150 less than market rate. Right. You know, and that's not uncommon. I get really pissed at other people who charge well under what the market rate is because it makes it tougher for the rest of us. But when you're doing that, you're going to burn yourself out. And so that's a moment where you need to get some objective advice and support. That's when I would be reaching out to others. This is the, you know, who are in the same field when you are doing that competitive research and you're talking to others about what are they charging? Yeah. And then you need to get that feedback of, you know, arguing with yourself about whether or not, like, what is it that's holding you back in that particular instance? What is it that makes you think that you shouldn't be charging that? And a lot of times that goes back to people think they don't have enough credentials or, well, I'm brand new. I'm brand yeah. new. And I need to, you know, I need to do this for free, God forbid. Right. You know, like sometimes people do that as well. Like, I'm just going to, we're going to trade or you know, something like that. Don't do that. If you're doing the work, the work has a certain value. Like, you know, definitely charge. You don't want to overprice yourself either. So you do have to do the work. None of the mindset stuff works unless you work it and you do the work. So you need to go out, figure out what's an appropriate price and then what it is for you that's holding you back and then get support around that. Yeah. And then you have to take the action step of actually charging it. Yes. Right. And I recommend when you actually have to raise your price and you have to have that conversation or you have to put it out there. I do recommend, like I said, all of the things that I talked about before getting yourself into a good state. I'll tell you before a sales call, it's hard. Every single time I have raised my prices, I feel sick. Yeah. Every time. You're not alone. Every single time. And yet you want to know what's the worst feeling. I'll tell you the worst feeling is when you tell them their price and they're like, oh, is that it? Okay, let me send you that right away. And you're like, darn it. (laughs) (laughs) Giving it away, giving it away. Yeah, and that's incredibly good feedback when somebody is like, oh my God, I thought it was gonna be so much more. And then you can go, you know, especially if you're somebody who's like, tends to be like, this is the range of what's I should be charging. I'm going to go with the safe lowest one. And yeah. then you find out like, oh, wow, I'm now going to commit. I just committed to do this work for way less than I was really worth. And what that person would have paid me. Yeah. And you start to resent those clients and that work. Or that work gets shuffled to the bottom of the stack because it's the last thing you want to do because you're losing money. Like I've totally been there. But what I do teach my students to do is especially when they're brand new is like immediately start increasing those prices. Like you get that first client, you get that confidence, you get some experience, you better like start up right away. And eventually you'll get there. And don't apologize. Never. (laughs) Just do it. (laughs) So what would you say? I'm thinking of some of my students who are really good at what they do and they struggle with imposter syndrome. And I, I feel like the thing in their head is, but there's someone else who can do it better. How do you fight that negativity? Yeah. So that's like the comparison gremlin, right? The comparison gremlin, you go in there and you're like, oh my God, there's so much ahead of me. They, they're doing great things. I'm not that. Yes. That's a lot in this space. There's a lot of that happening. Yeah. So for one, you have to turn down that noise. Stop you know, really, if you're spending a lot of time looking at what others in the space are doing, like beyond real legitimate competitive research, yeah, and it probably is like, you don't need to do much to figure out what your competitors are doing. You don't really need to be hanging out on social media, really like aggressively having that in your face all of the time. What you need to do is adopt the idea that if someone else out there is doing it for a particular price or in a particular way, that's possible for me too. 
Yeah. That's the positive way of looking at it. It is. It's the positive way of looking for it. It's also acknowledging that not, so for instance, I'm a coach. Coaches are a dime a dozen. There's coaches all over the place. There's tons and tons and tons of coaches. But what I know is that not every coach can serve every person. We're, you know, for the most part, we're in a service-based industry and there is a limit to what we can do. And I absolutely have full confidence that the people that I can serve are going to come to me and that they're going to be people who need what I do and I could do the job, but they will be better served by my competitor because that person resonates and will work better with that person. And it's okay. There's enough to go around. That's a negative gremlin that there's just not enough to go around. They're going to take all the work. Yeah. Freelancers. There's so much you, we, you've been talking, you've even been throwing some of the tech stuff out there. I I don't know if this is going to come as a surprise to you, but I am not a technical person at all. I can't stand it. I hire the freelancers to do the work for me because if I have to do it myself, I'm throwing my MacBook out the window, like toddler level reaction to it. And there are a tremendous number of us out there who need the help of freelancers. And quite frankly, there. so I have an artistic bent. I can get onto Canva. I can do my own things there. Yeah. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. My time is more valuable and better spent networking, speaking, and actually getting, you know, doing all of the client getting activities and then servicing those clients who bring me in the higher value. Yeah. That's what I should be doing. Because also, like, just because I can do, like, let's say I can create my own workbook um, in my coaching business for my clients, I probably can't do it as fast or as good as one of your people. Now, yeah. there's there's a ton of reasons why I might choose one over another person who can do that work for me. Don't live in that scarcity mindset, which is in that negative 77%, that negative, you know, that, you know, they're not going to choose me. Yeah. You know, that's just going to keep you from putting yourself out there and taking the actions that put you in front of enough people so that you will get the amount of business that you need and want. That's so good. I think if I were giving advice to somebody starting new, kind of what you said, like figuring out that like ideal client of who you can help with that one thing you can do well, I think that's like your gateway in and you don't have to serve everyone. And that's why I have a community where you can refer, like if that client isn't quite a match, I have seen this happen where it's the wrong client freelancer match and it actually ends up like harming the confidence the freelancer, right? I think it's better to like pass on those if you can, if you get those the flags. So it doesn't hurt your confidence, but you can focus on the person you truly can help with right. your competencies. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. that, that would be good starting advice. And especially for people who are starting, I will tell you, I took on wrong clients. Yeah. I took on clients that were not good for me. And you know what? That was the growth. Yeah, you're not going to die. The growth (laughs) mindset is, wow, look at that. I just learned that's not the right client for me. I just saved myself from all of the people in in front of me who might reach out to me where I can now refer them to someone else. Amen. Right? It's just a good lesson to learn. It's just, you're testing out this. And this is too, like you'll hear so much in this space about your ideal client. Who should I be speaking to? What do they look like? And you'll do that work as a brand new person. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to refine that thing. My ideal client profile, my ideal client avatar, you're going to refine it over and over and over and over again as you learn and work with more people who's right for you. And then you'll refine your message and all of the things that you do so that you're drawing in more of what's right for you. And you can't know what's right for you until you work with those people. And you're like, oh, not not you, you and you, but not you. And if you tailor it down and you think you got the right person, there's still so many subsets. And what I see a lot in the freelancer world is the client who follows through. And like gives you the deliverables you need to do your job. Like at the very basic level, you're like, I need someone who's actually going to do what they say. And you can like narrow down everything you want and have your perfect like niche and industry. But bottom line, like there's, you learn that the hard way when you get that client who doesn't email you the stuff you need. So 
Sure. You just get smarter. You get smarter all along. I do want to invite everyone to check out your Facebook group. Will you tell everybody about your group and what's happening over there? Yes, I have a newer Facebook group and it's for mind-body business breakthroughs and it's for entrepreneurs and executives. And really what it focuses on is all of the mindset hacks or the things that keep us from take, you know, actually taking action in our business and taking care of you and managing your energy as a business owner. If we don't take care of ourselves, our mind, body, and business all together, you ultimately put yourself in a place where the business is unlikely to succeed. So I focus on all those things that block, like imposter syndrome, if it's an automatic negative thought, whatever it is that's holding you back. I focus on that and getting you out of those places so that you can do all the techie things that bring you in the money. (laughs) I have loved having you here so much today. And I love that you gave us actionable tips. Like we, we didn't just talk about imposter syndrome and how, how it exists and how it's a thing, but you actually gave us real tools to work through it and pull ourselves out of that mindset. And I want to say to everybody here in the group, you are here in this special zone, this special place. And it says like what Jennifer said at the beginning about you are putting yourself out there and doing something scary. And I'm so proud of you because Jen even said most people would rather stay safe and you starting a business, doing these entrepreneurial dreams, moving forward, putting yourself out there, doing those Facebook lives and clubhouse rooms and whatnot. You are doing phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. No question. You have anything else you want to you want to end with? Oh, for me, just you know, give yourself a break. Know that it's your brain. Your brain is just you know when those not great thoughts pop up, that's just how you're wired, and you are more in control about what to do in response to that than you think. And if you can take that control, your business will grow, and you will be much more likely to reach your potential. Don't let something as silly as imposter syndrome hold you back from the beautiful business that you want to create. And like Jen said, it's going to come up. It's coming for you. It's coming to get you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Everyone go check out Jen's group. I know she has more really good advice and tools for you. This is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to confidence and mindset coaching. And I encourage you to check out her group. Thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Loved it. All right. Bye now. hope you learned so much from Jen. I hope you're feeling accomplished and confident and you're going to go out and kill it on your next discovery call. You can connect with Jen in the show notes. I've linked to her Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Please reach out to her and thank her for this impactful interview. Next week, we're going to continue the talk going. We're going to continue with the subject of being a business owner and you're really, really going to want to catch next week's episode. In the meantime, head over to the Facebook group. You can catch our weekly Facebook Lives and be a part of the conversation. I would love to have you there too. I'll see you next week. If you're ready to learn the digital marketing and social media skills that will get you hired online, head over to vacrashcourse.com where you can learn about my five-week program, the Digital Media VA Crash Course. Small business owners and solopreneurs want to hire someone who gets it and who can help them implement just about everything. They're looking for a magical assistant who does it all. With my comprehensive training, you can get your foot in the door and become the unicorn. Check out vacrashcourse.com. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And I've seen some stuff. I can't hear you. Oh, are you serious? Am I gone? Can you guys hear me at all? Testing one, two, three. I'm going to let the like audio catch up. Can you hear me? Yeah. I can't can't hear you for some reason. Use cue cards. Cue cards. I like it. (laughs) I like it. Um, Super fun. Bye-bye.